I think as, you know, as a lens setter, as mortgage broker that you guys do, you, you guys give hope for people who want to be a first time homeowner and mm -hmm. that's their whole dream. Mm -hmm. If we're all here to serve another, another individual, we have to provide the best service that we can. Welcome to the Lensetter Show, the show that blends the art of sales, the science of success, and the strategies of real experts in the mortgage and sales industries to help you grow your client base, increase your revenue, and get in control of your life. I'm your host, Preston Schmidley. Kick back, enjoy the episode, and don't forget to subscribe. Hey, what's going on, friend? Welcome to this episode of The Lensetter Show. I'm your host, Preston Schmidley, and I'm very excited to be joined by one of my good friends and guests. We're actually at a mastermind here for one of our mentors, Dan Kennedy. As we're filming this, we came back after a nice steak dinner. It was delicious. And uh, now we're hanging out, um, just kind of riffing on some marketing stuff. And so um, I'm here with a good friend of mine, Natty Bandisak. Natty, thank you for hopping on the Lensetter show today. Dude, thank you so much for having me. And again, the steak was phenomenal. The ice cream is also really good. The ice cream is good. They said it wasn't homemade, but I don't believe that. Yeah. So um, so Natty, the, one of the things that I want to talk about on this specific episode and why this is so important for, you know, obviously our main audience is mortgage professionals and sales professionals, right? But there's a lot that entrepreneurs as a whole can learn from your journey that, you know, I mean, and to give context to you as, as a listener, um, Natty and I actually met at uh, Russell Brunson's Inner Circle. Um, obviously, McBilly and I went to that. And then we met Natty and we just clicked. The energy was right. He's, he's our type of people. And uh, we just formed a friendship. And so it was cool, you know, ever since then, we've been able to share a lot of ideas and concepts and, you know, he'll send me books and ideas and I'll send him books and ideas. It's just a really cool friendship. And, uh, and so Natty, why don't you um, just kind of bring our listeners up to speed on what you do? Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about the evolution of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my name is Danny Bandesak. Uh, I'm actually a physical therapist that I have my doctorate in that. I own my own private practice. Uh, you know, this is on our fifth year now. So it's been going by really, really fast. Mm. Um, but, you know, just really bring it back. I'm actually a first generation immigrant. I moved here from Thailand at the age of 12, uh, learned English here, uh, was in ESL for two years. Uh, so really starting from scratch, uh, both my parents just worked in the restaurant business. So I saw what hard work looks like. Hmm. I also saw what's not scaling and not bringing up uh, your business uh, and letting go of some of their responsibility as business owners, especially my parents, their restaurant owners look like and the detrimental hmm. that it has on your family dynamic. So I saw what not to do. And then hmm. um, as I, you know, start my journey as a PT, I for sure did not want to get into a business at all because I saw how horrible it was to run a business. So my whole thing was like, I'm just going to climb a corporate ladder. And I'm sure most of your listeners, your audience probably had no idea they will be starting their own business. Uh, for me, after a year working in a big corporation, I was just so burned out because I was not able to use my full potential to help sure. the people I want. And, you know, in, in a big corporation setting, like you have to answer so many people. And one thing I, I learned is that I'm not really good uh, of an employees when there's restriction placed upon me, mm -hmm. right? If I feel like there's a ceiling and I can't move, and especially I can be creative with the way I, I treat, the way I give, the way I care. Mm -hmm. um, I just figured like, I, this is not for me. So after a year of doing that, I just decided like, oh, you know what? Let me go try something else. Because worst come to worst, I always have this corporate job I can fall back to. Mm -hmm. So from there, I just, I started out my clinic, man, in super humble settings. Like this, this room is a kitchen, right? So I had a portable table. By the way, to, we are in, we are currently in the Airbnb. We <laughs> waste no time getting down to business and brass tacks. So we're here. We're and when we're done with this, his bedroom's over there. Yep. My bedroom's over there. And we got another day of masterminding tomorrow. So we're just, you know, this is gritty, but we're getting it done. Yeah. And this is this is the best way to do it though, because you can have really good conversation. Um so I started my practice with just a portable table, mm -hmm. literally half the room here. And then from there, I just slowly scaled up. Uh and then I just kind of slowly move along. So I was excited to come here to talk to you about that just because I know your audience are also in a service provider. I think mm -hmm. we're, if, if we're all here to serve another human, another individual, we have to provide the best service that we can. And mm -hmm. I think as, you know, as a lens setter, as mortgage broker that you guys do, you, you guys give hope for people who want to be a first time homeowner and mm -hmm. that's their whole dream, mm -hmm. right? So the dream for, for my patients, they want to be able to walk again. They want to be able mm -hmm. to, you know, perhaps play division one sport, right? So we are obligated to provide them with the highest quality care, mm -hmm. no matter what you do. 
You, you just said something there that uh, it actually, I was thinking about this earlier as Dan was talking at the mastermind um, and, it, and it really goes back to mission. You know, when we got really clear about, we actually don't, I mean, we serve the loan officer, yes, but we're actually serving the homeowner through the loan officer. And, you know, it became, our, our mission became helping everyone with ownership, right? And, and so the uh, the mission behind that is, is um, you know, helping everyone with ownership, Americans with home ownership, um, our clients with ownership of their business and our team with ownership of their life uh, and their growth within the company. And so um, I, I feel like that mission was really big. And, and I was actually thinking back to when I did life insurance, this is, I mean, we're talking, this is about a, a little over a decade ago. And I remember I was out on an appointment and I used to take, you know, when you sell insurance and most people that sell insurance and this could be, you know, insert mortgage, real estate, whatever, if you sell something, but you're not very attached to the end result and insurance is very easy to be distanced from that because if you're sold, sold the policy, but you've never handled a claim, you've never been there for somebody who needed mm. what you sold them, um, you kind of get kind of disassociated from it. But I had this one appointment and I was probably 24 at the time. I had this one appointment with this guy and he was very dismissive. And this is in, in a phase where I was focused on life insurance. And uh, I was talking about getting him, his wife, both of their kids uh, life insurance, uh, 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 supplemental health insurance, stuff like that. And super hard sell. And he was very resistant. And I mean, it was almost combative because mm -hmm. like when, when I see kids in the house or when I sold insurance, when I would see kids in the house, I'd go to bat. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm like, dude, that you need this. Like you have nothing you like that's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And he practically kicked me out. It was the whole Zig Ziglar. Like I got to pack my, my shit up and I'm like, you know, yeah. like leaving. And, um, I remember I, I tried to follow up a few more times and he was like, ah, I need more time. Nothing. You know, he's a union guy, you know, blue collar, you know, literally we had to move uh, uh, an 18 rack off the table to do the presentation. Right. So wow. that's where the priorities were. Yeah. And uh, uh, anyways, um, he actually about, it was like a week and a half later, he got hit by a train. Um, and while he was thinking about it. Wow. And it changed how I sold insurance because in that moment, up to that moment, I was just selling policies. But when I had to go to a funeral and there was nothing to take, because mm -hmm. I've been on both ends. I've had, I've had people that I've served in life insurance that have died and I delivered a check. Mm -hmm. And then I've had that person that died and there was nothing. Mm -hmm. And changed it for me because it, it became personal. Like I can't let this happen to another family. I can't leave your house without something. You have to have something. There's too much here to lose. If, if I leave empty handed, mm -hmm. if I don't do my job, this whole bloodline can have to pay the price for your decision. Right. And so it became personal. It was like a mission. And so, you know, the interesting part about that, and it wasn't my goal at the time, but it was a natural byproduct was my conversion rate after that went through the roof because mm -hmm. I it, it was different. It was, I was invested in every home. I cared. I was actually connected to like, I wanted them to win. I wanted them to have the result. I wasn't worried about policy counts, mm -hmm. premium anymore. I was just worried about delivering value, the actual thing, right? And I was thinking back to that and I was like, man, it was weird to think about how much, I mean, we're talking a lot of change in my conversion percentage. Like, it changed the way I looked at the business, mm -hmm. the way I showed up, I showed up differently. Cause I'm like, dude, if I don't do this, is another family gonna, you know, and it's like, no, not on mm -hmm. my watch. Right. And so it was interesting because I actually look at that for our, our clients. I look at that for the loan officers that we serve. And it's like, if you don't put people into homes today, if you aren't like hell bent on that, like mm -hmm. it's life or death, and their bloodline, their future depends on you actually getting them to, through, getting them to, to do this and complete this process. What's going to end up happening is they go, you know what, we'll just keep renting. It's hard right now. It's complicated. And, and, and they'll push it off. And guess what happens in six months, 12 months, 18 months? House values go up. Guess what? Their income's best case scenario the same, mm -hmm. maybe incrementally better most likely not outpacing inflation. So now six, 12, 18 months later, 
Not only did you not serve them originally, you've now guaranteed them to be in a worse spot mm -hmm. and less likely to get into a house because you just didn't want to go the extra mile. Yeah. And, and so it, it's like, if, if that level of ownership, that level of connection to the, I have to get this done or else people are depending on me, people mm -hmm. need me to deliver, you know, there would be more people in homes. And like you said, there would be more people that are able to walk again, mm -hmm. right? It's like if more people took their craft, like personal, like serious yeah. to that level. I mean, so funny you mentioned that, man, because I just had a serious conversation with my wife about this is I see like people are now detached from the job that they do. And I think if you go back and you read any study that they say, like end up life study, there's like, oh, mm -hmm. what do you regret? Most of the time people regret on the decision they didn't make, but mm -hmm. they also, there are more people regretting quitting job earlier mm -hmm. because now, now they have nothing to look forward to. Back in the day, if you look at any German engineering, especially cars, especially go AMG, people would put initial on the engine that they build by hand because mm -hmm. they took so much pride in that, right? And back in the, the bartering days where you and I would just trade Mm -hmm. Like if your service is not good or the thing you produce is not good because you have no ownership, no pride in what you're doing, I wouldn't take it. Right. Right. So as soon as we introduce money, now that's like change. You're just doing the work for money. You're not doing mm -hmm. the work because you want to do the work. Mm -hmm. uh, I have, I really have a personal story with this, especially to follow along with what you, what you just said. So, um, so when we moved here. Uh, my parents started a restaurant after the restaurant. They're like, Oh, we're living the American dream. The next dream for them was to own a home. Mm -hmm. Right. During this time I was away at university of Maryland getting my bachelor. So I was out like building my own life. They still working at a restaurant with my sister and they all just working nonstop, just trying to get a home. And they just like, Oh, you know, our credit's not good enough. Who's going to take us on this and that. Right. So they just ended up keep renting homes at the home. And about 2019, my dad suddenly passed away mm. out of nowhere. And the one thing that I always knew that he always wanted to be able to have a place that he called his own home, mm -hmm. but there weren't anyone there that was going to help him. Because again, as, as an immigrant, who was going to take you on, right? As far as credits and all of that stuff. And we just didn't know. Like, I mean, yeah. I was, I was in, I was at the city center, I guess, or, or the town, like with my parents trying to Google and learn how to register for a business. Mm -hmm. We all were doing together as a family. So just figure it out. So for, th for them, like there weren't any representation. So if you guys are listening out there and, you know, I hope this story resonates with some, some of you guys, cause you do more than just getting people in a home because another thing too, like, like I, I like to bring up my story that I wasn't born here, just be, but that doesn't mean I'm not lucky. The mm -hmm. fact that my parents decided to move to the U S I hit the lotto. Yeah. Right. The fact I have two parents, I hit the lotto again. And the fact that I had a roof over my head, I hit the lotto. Yeah. So again, homes mean so much to other people. And you look at all statistically speaking, like we work with a lot of inner city kids and we give them scholarships, especially people who can't afford our services and usually come from a single parents household mm -hmm. or they don't have homes or they live in projects. Right. We, so this is important. When we uh, went to the Philippines for McBilly's wedding. And I also went there cause we have an office there with, I don't know, 30, 35 people there now. Um, it was, I don't want to say it was culture shock. Cause I, you know, I, I've spent enough time around P Filipino people and, and I'm familiar enough with it, but like to see it with your own eyes and to see, you know, obviously there's plenty of people that are doing well, doing fine, mm -hmm. but the, the floor of poverty in a place like that, the Philippines, Thailand, you name it, right. It's so much lower. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? And so when you talk about having a roof over your head, like quite literally, mm -hmm. that's not a thing for a lot of, I don't know. Cause even homelessness in America, it's like there's shelters, mm -hmm. there's places, there's, there's covered places, mm -hmm. right? There are not covered places when we went to the Philippines, you know? And so it's like, it, it was interesting. Cause it's like, I haven't traveled the world a lot. So my exposure is really American exposure. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a wide gap in, in that, but, but it's like, when you leave the country and you see other people, it's like, you realize how pivotal homeownership is, how it really is a milestone. And it, and it's, and, and obviously, you know, mortgage people, real estate people, they know that, but mm -hmm. do they live it? Mm -hmm. It's a different level, right? Because it, it is the difference between, you know, it's a uh, 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 and I always talk about the the number one uh, uh, piece of data that will determine 
you know, the quality of the relationships, the quality of the education, the quality of, of your life and, 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 and the opportunities you have is your zip code. Mm -hmm. Literally change one number on that and everything can change. Yeah. Right. And where you're located matters a lot, right? And and so the, the house is not just about the four walls and the roof, but also the community in which that's in. And so I think that what you just hit on is huge because, you know, it's like home ownership is, I, I think to an extent we take it for granted. Mm -hmm. um, we know it's valuable, you know, food, water, shelter, right? But like, when's the last time you really didn't have it, mm -hmm. right? You might not have had the one you wanted, Right. But you got an apartment, you got a, even a shelter, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's something. And so, um, being able to give somebody their own, you know, place to call home, you know, like you, what your dad wanted. I think that that's, that's really what it's about. And and so connecting to that mission of going, you know, cause like I've listened to calls where there's a challenge, you know, uh, I'll give you an example. One of the, one of the recent, uh, objections that's come up for, uh, members in our program that I've heard is, and this is becoming progressively more of an issue is that, you know, well, well, they can't afford anything where they're at. Mm -hmm. Why are you still talking about where they're at then? Sell what you have. Mm -hmm. If they have to move 100 miles, so be it. Get them in a home. Mm -hmm. Get them building equity. Get them better positioned so that when they make a move, maybe they can move back there if mm -hmm. they want to. But it's better for them to move 100 miles and get a house than it is to rent where they're at. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like that empowerment, that ownership of like, no, 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 there's options. We're going to get you into a house, hell or high water. We're going to, we're going to figure this out. Right. And so I've, I've just, I've listened to so many calls where like, it was like, oh, you know, you, there's no, you can't afford anything around you. Okay. Well, bye. You know, it's like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. They were interested. They could have qualified for something somewhere, not, not down the street, but somewhere mm -hmm. we could have done some homework and gotten this resolved. Yeah. We could have gotten them in a house and we took, in my opinion, the low road. And we, we just said, eh, well, you know, maybe next time. And it's like, screw where they're at. Let's get them in a home. Let's relocate them. Right. And I'm obviously not going to call it that, mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's easy if you're on the phone and some, and you've, you've determined you've gotten somebody pre-approved, but the amount they're qualified for just isn't what they need to, to be able to buy the house. You just go, Hey, so Natty, I got, I, I have a really interesting and cool opportunity. Uh, um, I think that it's potentially the right decision for you, but it's ultimately your decision. Um, we have gotten you pre-approved. We have gotten you qualified. The problem, if you want to call it that, is that in your immediate area, it's hard to get the amount of financing with your information uh, for what you need to buy. However, there are opportunities if you're willing to get creative with me. So I guess my question for you, Natty, is are you, are you open to exploring options that may have you going a little bit further? out well let's talk about it yeah i mean you know mcbilly and i whimsically moved out of state so it's not like people won't move mm -hmm. for opportunity but it's well i mean there's this thing called a goal rush do you remember that yeah, <laughs> yeah. people literally relocate i mean my parents yeah you know, like we picked up and just left i mean honestly and i think not to cut you off but there's a lot of parallels between uh, what you guys do and what we do in, mm -hmm. in the PT, right? Because my job, even though I have a doctorate, doesn't mean people will listen to me, right? Or I, I can't just go and be like, you got to do this, this, and this, right? Perception, yes. But you guys think that I can just go in and tell my patient and I have 100% compliance. Like, that's not true. That's not human. That's not how yeah. it works. So we do exactly what you just stated. We we kind of work together. We're like, hey, listen, what's your goal? Is your goal to, to be able to go, you know, play soccer? Yes, okay. At now tell me what level, right? Are we talking about professional? Are we talking about division one, division two, division three? Because that's different, right? Mm -hmm. So we kind of got to work backwards. But what we really need to do is get them to identify what's the ultimate goal. Why do they want to make that decision? I think people try to rush into to the end result so fast, mm -hmm. right? If you spend time like, hey, why that home? Why do you need a four bedroom? Why that zip code? What mm -hmm. does that mean, right? Or can we put a timeline on that? Can we that can that be your 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 five years ago, what about we go here, right? Because mm -hmm. what we do when we work with any patient, we, we get to know where they are. You have to meet the person where they are. And most of the time, and I see this too, I would assume in your industry is that when people come and look for home, they have a lot of excitement, but they also scare at the same time because there's that rejection, mm -hmm. right? Just like when the patients come to us, they're not happy to be there because they're in pain. So we have to make sure that where we meet them, we have to meet them with enthusiasm and support at the same time. For sure. So with you, you know, people come in enthused, but also fearful. 
of rejection, right? So you got to make sure that like, you meet them where they are. And then from there, let's really get down to the nitty gritty, why they want a home. What about a home that means to them? And also like, like how, how, how much does it mean to them? Because to keep a home is also a lot of time and effort, right? right? Do you know what you're getting into? Or are you just trying to keep up with the Joneses? That makes a lot of sense. Well, and, and, and that, you know, oftentimes uh, a lot of, you know, people come to us wanting leads, but what, what they, what most people find out is, wow, this is actually really a, a coaching system in a community that happens to provide resources and tools. Um, and, and one of the things that we really have seen through that coaching is a lot of people that come into us thinking they just need leads. Um, they're really just trying to do the number qualification, but there's no relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it feels more like an interrogation than it does, uh, you know, a relationship you'd want to have. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't talk to your spouse the way that a lot of these calls happen. It's just, you know, where do you work? What do you make? What's your credit score? Are you married? Are you single? Do you have mm -hmm. kids? Where do you live? Where do they live? It's like, Jesus, man, like, yeah. chill, you know, and it's, uh, it, it's interesting to see. It's like, you guys are in sales. Like, mm -hmm name anywhere you've been where that would have worked. Mm. Right. And so that's just kind of a, an interesting thing. And so you talk about, you know, getting to know where they're at and you're a doctor. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, if anybody doesn't need a lot of rapport or shouldn't need a lot of rapport, it's your doctor, right? It's like, dude, you got the schooling. I'm injured. You tell me what to do. I don't need to talk about much more about it. However, even you with your credentials still have to build rapport, build a plan, get to know their desires. You know, you have to undercover their why, and then you have to kind of reverse engineer how to get from what they ultimately want to where they're at. Mm -hmm. Right. And then build that path out. And it's like, dude, if you have to do that and you are a doctor, We all got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, it's just serving another person. Right. Yeah. And I think um, at the end of the day, like, I, I think me personally, like my, my mission is to change that whole thing with healthcare. Right. Cause mm -hmm. like the fact that I can just go and barge and like, you need to do this and that. Like, like it's back in the day, we used to have like concierge service medical provider where they come to your home or even like your local neighborhood pharmacy, like real moms and pop, they know your grandparents, they know who you, they know your whole family, like history, mm -hmm. pretty much so they can communicate and connect with you. Where I think um, where we are now society, we're, we're more number and vanity metric kind of driven where, um, you know, I, I have on my goal board, of, I want to help, you know, a thousand new patients, but I don't imagine just a thousand number thousand on there. I, I imagine thousand new phases that's completely phased and I don't know what they look like. And each time we get a new patient coming in, I yeah, just feel the blank. Of the picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that now I'm more connected to to what I'm trying to do, mm. right? I mean, if if I were on one of your calls, I'd be like, "Listen, man, go get Monopoly little houses, and just put it on your desk each time you put someone at home. That's put great. one of those houses there until you can actually build a whole freaking Lego city." That's actually great. I like that idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to find this houses. Okay. So Natty, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with you too uh, on this call that I think is uh, there's a lot of I mean, it's a masterclass of sorts for real students of the game, right? Because most people in mortgage find themselves to, for all intents and purposes, be in business, but they're not. They are business owners, but they're not necessarily entrepreneurs. They kind of they started as the operator, right? They started as the mortgage professional, and now they're kind of going, okay, well. I wanted to fire a boss. I got rid of my boss. Now I'm it. Now what? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's different when you're cracking a back, helping somebody with their physical therapy, you know, originating a loan. And now you're doing that and running the business, mm -hmm. right. And you're, you're responsible for P and L's. You're responsible for, you know, hiring, firing, training, all, you know, all of these, these things that are very different than selling something. Mm -hmm. Right. So my, I guess my question is you have I mean, by all standard measures, you are very successful in your craft and you're expanding even into coaching and and, and helping other PTs. And I think that that's phenomenal. Um, and, and, you know, you, you're unlocking a lot of doors that success. And, and obviously it's not unearned because you're in a lot of circles that I know, I know a decent amount of PTs and most of them are not doing what you're doing. Right. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, he's doing more work. He's getting more output, mm -hmm. maybe a connection here. Yeah. Right. But but um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the the kind of the evolution from you being in physical therapy, doing physical therapy, and now owning a physical therapy practice that's thriving. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd like to kind of hear about that evolution in your journey. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely give it a breakdown. In the beginning, uh, with, with any one of us, like we're all just technician. We just know the craft. Mm -hmm. We just know what to do, how to make it work. We're just miserable enough to say, you know what, this, this ain't it. Like I'd rather just go suffer and at least try. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the, the biggest thing is it's all about changing your identity. Right. So the first one, you become the technician and then you become a technician that actually makes some money. You're like, Oh, all right, this is working. This is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you become pretty good at what you do to the point where you're, you're getting busy. But then you realize you're, you're just suddenly time poor. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, now I just, you know, got myself a new job, but now I don't have someone to blame except for myself. You know, my old boss sucks, but now I'm my, I'm my own boss. And this guy sucks too. Cause I can't take <laughs> vacation. Cause if I take my, if I take vacation, I don't have any money. Well, yeah. And he's hard to fire too. When exactly. When you're your own boss. Yeah. yeah. So the biggest shift for me was understanding that, um, in order to scale and again, going back to watching my parents not want to, wanting to scale because their mindset was always, no one's going to do a better job as me and your dad, which is true. It's not someone else's business, but there are some tasks that is worth letting go. Mm -hmm. So the first thing for me was like, okay, I'm just going to do the opposite of what my parents did. Mm -hmm. So it's like, they wouldn't hire someone. I'm going to hire someone and let's see what that goes. So I end up hiring someone. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. They can do a pretty good job. And then like, all right, they make some mistake. Okay. Let me see if I can help them out with that. Uh, and then as I'm going more and more, I, I just realized, oh, wow, I should have done this a long time ago. So the, 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 the first step is, is to actually trust yourself to make good and bad decisions. Because mm -hmm. you got to give yourself that permission to make bad decisions. Take risks. Yeah, that's always taking risks. But again, it's only risky when you, know it's, it's, when you don't know it's bad. Mm. So what I mean by that is that if you're just blindfully you know, abdicating tasks and not checking in and think that, oh, this person did a job for eight months. They know more than me. Not true. Nobody right. know your business like as well as you do, especially the mission, mm -hmm. right? So my first evolution was just shifting that mindset to just, okay, let's just hire someone to do the job. And then I was in this, this point, and I think majority of all of us in entrepreneurs stuck in this rut the whole time where I was a PT who happened to own a business mm. where I accidentally stumbled upon it. I'm like, oh, now I have a business. Now I have payroll. Right. Okay. All right. I'm just going to keep this going. And there were certain point where we, 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 we had a certain uh, turmoil within culture because everything was kind of run as a family owned business mm. and there were no system, no structure. I didn't have a roadmap. So the reason I got to where I am today is I actually sought out a lot of help regarding who in my industry that can give me roadmap, just like what you're doing for, for your audience, for your people. Mm -hmm. Right. You gave me them coaching, but really you gave them the roadmap. Right. Cause most people think it's the lead problem. Like it, they wish it's a lead problem. Right. Imagine like if you go and give someone, someone like 10,000 leads, it's like hitting a lotto. Mm -hmm. It solved your immediate problem, but you can't sustain it. This, what are you going to do with 10,000 leads? If you have no process. Well, you right? know, it, it, it's interesting you say that because we actually had, there was a, an actual example. We had a client that was with us for, um, 18 months and we had generated 2,284 leads for him. And at, at the 18th month mark, he was like, Hey, I really like you guys, but I'm just not making money in this. We've only done 15 loans in the 18 months. And I'm like, you got 18 months. You have 2,284 leads. I don't know how else to tell you this, but just like you said, you don't have a lead problem. If you give me 2,284 name and numbers from the white pages, I'm going to do at least 16 loans, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then we looked into the system and then there was, I, I remember there was one that actually, just, it kind of pissed me off and it kind of broke my heart. There was one dude who has said, you know, it was responding to one of our automated messages and he, and he had said, yes, we are interested and we're looking to buy in the next month or so. We have 20, a little over 20,000 saved already. And we got about a 720 FICO. Now, by most measures, I can find a house for that person. Mm -hmm. No response. Nothing. And it's like, of course you didn't do more than 15 loans in a year and a half. Like, 
who's making the calls, who's actually originating the loans. Like Mm -hmm. you, you know, that you can't, I can't do that for you. And if I could, that's a dangerous precedent, by Mm -hmm. the way, because the moment you're not doing that, you don't have a job. Mm -hmm. Like, especially in an industry that's relatively commoditized, a loan's a loan to the consumer, Mm -hmm. right? The only differentiating factor is the person, the relationship. So if you're like, ah, about the relationship, you're eh, about the money. Mm -hmm. Like, then it ain't going to come to you, you know? And so that was an interesting thing. And so it sounds like that's even an issue in your world that that you see as far as like, you know, generating leads and them kind of just becoming nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just... It's any business, right? Like in my world, yeah, lead acquisition is a huge thing. But then what you do with the leads is another problem, yeah. right? And then fulfillment is also another thing. Um, the one point I want to make is that um, I don't do physical therapy, right? I do transformation. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's what I call my clinic. It's a transformation center. Someone happened to come in. They are at their injure. That's their self-identity. And it's our job to figure out what's the identity before they got injured and then transform them back to mm-hmm. who they were before. I like that. That's how you have to look at it because no one no one needs a loan, yeah. right? They want a home, just like no one wants a hammer. Right. They want to do something with the hammer. Yeah. So you got to go beyond that because if you're playing small ball and you're thinking small that I'm just giving people a loan, like you'll lose right there. Like people, people really come for the loan, but they stay for the relationship. Yeah. And to me, leads is an opportunity to build rapport with that person, mm-hmm. right? Let's let's look at this way. Let's be really kind of like um, dark for a little bit. If we think about how many days we have left to live on this earth, how what kind of impact do you want to make, right? And if you were giving 100 people uh, that you don't know, that you could impact them in a positive level, right? Giving what you do, aka giving them loans, how would you want to serve them? Mm-hmm. How, how would you want to do it where those people might invite them and invite you to Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Right. Like my job is like either when, when they come to my world, they either not respond to me say, don't talk to me ever again. You're not for me. Or, Hey, why don't you come over Thanksgiving? Yeah. That's our matrix of success. No, I mean, that's, that's huge. Well, and, and, and one of the things that I often coach on is, is, you know, the, the real job as an entrepreneur is following the bottleneck in your business. Right. Cause it's like, okay, well, there's a point where we all do have a lead problem, mm-hmm. but the moment you have leads, you don't have a lead problem. Now you have a sales problem. Mm-hmm. Now you might not have the egoic flexibility to acknowledge that. Cause for most people in, in sales professions, uh, mortgage being one, I mean, honestly, anything that involves a phone is one, right? So even you guys mm-hmm. closing patients is, is one, but like, it's hard for a lot of people to go, mm. I need to get better at selling. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people struggle with that, right? It's the same reason for call reluctance. It's like, well, if you were looking at it from a growth opportunity, it's not so bad. But if you have, if you're looking at it, like I have to confront something, I mm-hmm. have to like, because people create this, I'm good at sales. I know what, I know what I'm doing. I know, I know how to sell. Well, if you know how to sell and why is your bank account like lacking commas, mm-hmm. right? It's like, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Let's look at it. There's an area for opportunity here, mm-hmm. right? And that's not to throw shade. It's just like, you 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 know you can't have results and excuses. Like yeah, one one repels the other, mm-hmm. right? So if you want to choose success, understand that you can't have excuses. If you want to have excuses, understand you can't have success. Like they are mutually exclusive. And so uh, you know when you have leads, you don't have a lead problem. And then when you start making sales, what you know ends up happening is now the the bottleneck shifts. You have a fulfillment issue because mm-hmm. now you're all of a sudden hitting records and sales, and your team's going, "What the hell? We don't got the we don't got the time for this." Well, now we got to hire people to be able to process more loans or to be able to do more therapy in your situation, right? And it's like, and then the bottleneck shifts, right? Mm-hmm. And so the bottleneck's never gone. It's yeah. just, where's it at today? And it's ever moving. And so real entrepreneurs, real successful business owners that I've seen have almost a sixth sense ability to predict, you know, like how a hockey player's not looking for where the puck's at, but where it's going, mm-hmm. where's the bottleneck going to be next, right? And they're able to kind of anticipate and be there uh, and, and so they get speed and that speed transfers into, into profit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to circle back to something though. Um, so, y- you know, you obviously were quite successful. I mean, I, I feel like we breezed over it to an extent. You were quite successful doing the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Doing at, well, as you call it transformation, but doing physical therapy. And then you ended up in business doing it. Mm-hmm. And now you're running a business. 
what are some of the things that you think, because most people that find themselves in that spot kind of get stuck in a purgatory and then usually either fizzle out of it altogether or, you know, retract back to, you know, I, I just want to work for somebody mm -hmm. else. I don't want to do, I don't want this responsibility. Yeah. Right. Well, you figured it out. So what were some of the things that you feel better prepared you and allowed you to be able to thrive in that? Yeah. Um, so again, going back to the identity thing. So I just kind of switched the identity from a physical therapist who happened to own a business to a business owner who happened to be a physical therapist. Right. Mm -hmm. So just flip those two words, massive difference. Right. So if I were to hire myself as a PT, how would I actually behave? Versus if I were to run this business, how would I act and behave? Right. So that's two different lens, right? Because if I were just a PT, I would just keep treating. Mm -hmm. But then again, I'll just my my dollar, my earning, my impact is based on what I can do with my two hands. Right. And then, but if I go as a business owner, I say, oh wow, I can actually hire, I can hire more PTs, we can help more people. We can actually help people who actually doesn't understand what PT is by connecting with them. Like most of the time when people come into you know, my clinic is they fail physical therapy or physical therapy has failed them. So now I have to go and change it. It's like, Oh, well, no, we're doing differently. This and that. Like we have to give them like a whole new vehicle mm -hmm. to see like why we're different. Right. It's almost, almost like trying to date a girl after like they, she just came out from a bad relationship. Like you're mm -hmm. not, she's not going to trust any guys. So you have to go in and build rapport from right. day one over and over again. So that's the biggest transformation when it comes to changing mindset. And another thing too, I gave myself permission to fail and learn the mistake that I needed to learn. Uh, and because of that, it, it liberated me to, to, to keep on going. And the reason you, you say the bottleneck thing, and I agree with that, but I didn't learn that. I didn't learn that until like a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm five years in, we went from zero to seven figure in four years. And, and that's like, you know, in a one-on-one -on -one setting, like to me, that's, that's, I, I, I think it's, yeah, you're it's pretty top cool. of the pyramid. I mean, yeah. And, that's... and the way I, I looked at it is, um, to, to be able to do that, you have to understand that you're going to make mistake, but you, you won't want to make the same mistake twice. Mm -hmm. And as you keep making a mistake, you're going to start spotting trend because the biggest thing for me is going back to the ownership thing that you guys have is you have to be willing to go and sit down. Like, where did I go wrong with that? Mm -hmm. And then just kind of reverse engineer like, Oh yeah, I probably could have seen that a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. I, I should have done that. Oh, I advocated right there. Mm. Right. So now you can pick up on a trend. Now for me, I look at bottleneck as season, right? So mm -hmm. I now I go, I was like, all right, let's say Q1, we're pretty slow. Guess what? If we're slow, what can I implement on? Okay, I'm going to fix operation, right? Because now I can actually go and do some deep dive. Like, okay, where would we shit in Q4, mm -hmm. right? And then Q2 was slow picking up. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Make sure Q1, we're fi fixing operation, but we're driving marketing spend so we can get more leads in Q1 so that when Q2 comes, we have more leads and we can convert. Right. And then by the time we hit Q3, we're going to have so much fulfillment that fulfillment is going to fail by Q4. Right. And then we have to fix fulfillment. Right. So you just, you play the game on how much can you keep going on each level and yeah. you just climb one step at a time. I like that. And, and to me, like, all right, it's fun because every time I get to go to a different level in the, each different segment of my business, and you just look at it in four piece, right? Mm -hmm. Operation, marketing, sale, fulfillment. And yeah, he's like, okay, sure. cool. I'm just going to do this over and over again until it's just keep leveling up. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that a lot. I, I think there's a lot of value in that. You know, your, your numbers are honestly really impressive. Uh, um, it's rare to see somebody who without a team, I mean, we were, you know, just listening to a guy today who, you know, uh, made 9 million and that's great. But that was like, you know, it took him uh, 16 years to make. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not hating on that. That's still pretty impressive by all measures, right? Mm -hmm. However, a million a year when you, it's really mainly you and it's your two hands, that's 500 an hour. I mean, well, I mean, I, I, we made, we crossed a seven figure last year, but I had four clinicians. And then, oh, okay. No, okay. No, so so th at this point now you're, you're yeah, yeah. in the business owner spot completely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so as soon as I made that mindset shift, that's when I started. Well, actually I hire first. So here's the mm. thing, right? You guys think that you need, so uh, what is it? Is it atomic habit? Say so you need to be uh, with your identity first before yeah. you start taking on the habit. For me, the way I look at it, if I hire someone, I'm already paying them money. I was like, well, how do I best support them? Like I better be like the business owner that 
they that they would want to have. Yeah. Or not what they would want to have because sometimes employee doesn't know what they want. Mm-hmm. Just like most people, right? Like my wife doesn't know what she wants to eat for dinner. We've been together for so long, <laughs> right? It's either Chinese food, Italian food, we just can't pick. Yeah. Um. So I just need to be the business owner that I think is best for the team that I have. Mm. That's what I meant to say. I, th- I think there's a, there's a lot of wisdom in that. So, you know, the, the thing that, and, and you said it, and, and it's a little bit different than me, but it's huge. And it's part of your identity pieces. I've always said my job as a, a, a sales, a, a, you know, and marketing coach and a, a, a growth partner in the mortgage space is to take a, a mortgage professionals that happen to have a business license and turn them into business professionals that happen to have a mortgage license. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of a different lens of the same thing. Uh, that you had mentioned there. Um, dude, Nat- Natty, that's phenomenal. Um, what would be a piece of advice or maybe, a, you know, if you got more than one um, to somebody who is kind of at that precipice where it's obviously more work to go from being solo practitioner, you know, the salesman to now running an organization, even if it's two, three people, right? But, 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 but that's the, that's the choice to scale, the choice to grow, the choice for more, right? Cause like you said, just like you, a loan officer, if a loan officer is unsupported, um, I've always called it the three loan curse. Uh, most mortgage professionals cannot break three loans a month if mm. they are unsupported. And what ends up happening is they have a decent month, they get three loans. They're pretty stoked about it. Well, next month, guess what happens? They were busy fulfilling three loans, so their prospecting's dead. Mm-hmm. And now it's oh, they're restarting, and so this roller coaster gets created, right? And then that's obviously problematic. So yeah, they did three, but they're not going to do three every month. They're going to do three now, maybe two, then one, then zero, then one, then two, then three, then two. So it's like this cyclical thing, right? And so it requires the people to stabilize the business and make mm-hmm. it consistent. So, so what is your what is a piece of advice you would give to somebody who is currently originating loans? Uh, you know, because you were at this point and you mm. chose greatness from it, right? And you made you made some great choices that became, as you said, a seven figure business uh, uh, annual revenue. So, so what are some what is a choice or some choices or some a piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's on the precipice of going from being the practitioner, the, the tactician to running the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give a movie analogy reference. Okay. So um, I'm sure most of you guys have seen the movie 300. You have seen it, right? <laughs> Love that movie. Of course. So for the Spartan soldier, which mm-hmm. is only 300 of them to go against the Persian empire, which is the whole empire. It's like unlimited. <laughs> it's, yeah, pretty much. The only way they were able to do that is surround Spartacus, Spartacus, right? No, Leonidas. No, Leonidas um, surrounded himself with really, really good people who understand his mission, mm-hmm. his vision, and is to protect the the homeland that they have, right? Mm-hmm. So as soon as I saw that movie, that's how I look at business, that how can I surround myself with as many Spartans as possible that's mm-hmm. going to go on this uncharted journey with me so that way we can have each other's back. We can have the shield, someone else the spear. Mm-hmm. And that's the mindset you have to get into because- if you believe in people, you have to believe in community. Mm-hmm. And if you believe in a, a, achieving something great, you know you cannot do it alone, right? Because look, look at Elon, look at Steve Jobs, look at all these people that invent something great. They didn't do it alone. For sure. Right? So if you take yourself out of it for a little bit, and then you take you know like two steps back and then just ask yourself this question, like what do I want to be known for? What do I want to create? And if I need to create that thing, what kind of people would I need to have around me in order to achieve that goal? Now you start thinking, it's almost like, we call this constraint-induced therapy. So when someone has a stroke and they can only use their right hand, guess what? We strap down the right hand, force them to use the left hand, mm. right? So now you have to force that. So if you say, okay, if I want to achieve this and I can't do it alone and I can only have three people with me, what quality do I need? And what would each of them look like? Who do I need to hire? And you just go based on that. And then from there, now you get more comfortable with the decision that you're about to hire people because you kind of know what you're looking for, Yeah. right? The scariest thing about owning a business is hiring people. And for me, it's a gift and a curse because I get to give someone an opportunity to, you know, pursue something more than just a paycheck, right? Hopefully. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get to where I am today without people giving me those opportunities in the past, Mm -hmm. especially as an immigrant. Like I, I worked at a restaurant, then I became... A dishwasher, then I became a busboy. 
But then again, it's people that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Mm -hmm. And to me, as a business owner, that's such a gift to be able to give someone like an opportunity. Like, yo, I, I think this kid got it. He has something he might not see yet, but I think with the right coaching, with the right environment, I think he can do something with this. Yeah. Right. So to me, that's, that's fun for me to see if they don't stay with me and they are leaving my world. Like, that's great. Like I'm happy. Like we have kids who like employee who left and go do other things. Awesome. Right. And I think um, that doesn't stop the mission though. Cause then you just need to understand who you need to keep you on track of the path you want to be on. I used to fear losing team members because I mean, it's hard obviously, and it's incredibly expensive. Like I, people don't talk enough about how much it oh, costs yeah. to lose a team member, good or bad. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, it's expensive. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I can't remember who I heard it from, but there was a saying, uh, you know, one of those success coaches and, and they were talking about, you need to free up people's future. Right. And it's about just allowing them the freedom and the liberty. It's a different mindset. Right. Cause it's like, I almost feel like it's like I'm, I'm scared to lose people is scarcity. Mm -hmm. Well, the abundance is, dude, there's so many opportunities. Go find what makes you happy. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not even worried about the cost. Mm -hmm. I'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, go be happy. If you're, you're not happy here, go be happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that really shifted the way that I looked at, at kind of people development. I mean, this is something that McBilly and I are working on even now is we're at a season in business where we've we've grown so much that it's like you know we're having to really formalize and develop a lot of training and structure and, and support for our team and leadership development and it's new and it's it's uh you know it's interesting but like at the same time when when people you know and some people won't want to go where we're going mm -hmm. and i hope they all do but i'm also i'm mentally prepared for it not to be the case because mm -hmm. we're getting clearer on our core values we're getting clearer on our mission we're getting clearer on the direction we're going and I can only imagine there's got to be at least one person that's unexcited about that. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Let's figure that out and mm -hmm. let's build a plan. Right. And so that, that's, uh, that's been a really interesting thing for me personally, as, as an entrepreneur and as, as a, as a, you know, to helping people develop is just that realization that, uh, you know, and it's kind of a sonder of sorts. Uh, everybody's going to leave your life eventually mm -hmm. and it's okay. And, yeah. you know, it's like, we have a mission to run with them, without them. Um, and if we can have them with us for as much as possible in that time frame, that's great. But if not, that's okay. You know, and, and yeah. we got a mission to do either way, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, to, to add on to that, like I, the way I looked at it is I give people permission to just leave, right? I think that's, that's a different thing. Like, I, I don't fear people leaving. If they want to leave, they definitely could leave. Like that's, that's the whole point. And what I tell my team and I usually say it in before any monthly meeting is like, I'm happy you guys are here because you've shown to be here. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't need each other. That's the best part, right? We kind of want to be here, right? Because at the end of the day, you can go find another job. I can go find an employee, but we all want to be here together. Yeah. And one thing I caught myself doing too is um, as a business owner, like you, you, especially when you're in this kind of world, you and I are learning actively. So we can bring back to our village, our tribe and say, hey, guys, what here's what I learned. We're just going to do this and that. Mm -hmm. um, what I found is that I'm, 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 sometimes I wait for people to just like, oh, yeah, let, let's catch up. Let's do this and, th and this. And what I realized is that that's not doing them a service at all, because if I wait for them, um, then they have no sense of urgency. Right. Right. But here and I learned this, like, you know, like, you know, when you're about to be late for school, your parents, the cars and drive, they're driving slowly you're moving your ass a lot faster. So that way you can get in the car. So that's how I feel. I was like, all right, I'm not just going to wait here. I'm going to slowly move. Yeah. If you want to come with me, there's path. Yeah. Hurry up. Yeah. I'll show how to get here. We'll, we'll go together. Yeah. Right. And I think as soon as I start changing that mindset, like, um, and even like just this seminar we're at today, just talking about like, you know, influencing people and creating maximum impact. Like, I can't do that if I'm just waiting for people forever, yeah. right? If I just keep going on my path and they say, you know what? That guy's going somewhere. I kind of like to, I, I want to be a part of it. Cool, let's do it. Like, I, I think we talked about this. You know how like when Facebook got really big, mm -hmm. people started bragging that they were like the first five employees of, I was the first five employee of Facebook. I was like, bro, you could have been a janitor that happened to be in that whatever Airbnb or WeWork. And then you just like, yeah, self, like maybe they just couldn't afford someone better. Like that's not a, that's not a brag. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if you were now like the current employee of Facebook, you're up there, like now there's a higher requirement. Sure. 
Because your first employee is like, can they breathe? Yes. Can they smile? Yes. Okay, you're hired. Yeah. Right. Um, and to all the business owners that are listening out there, that I remember my first hire is I was selling her on why she should work for me and I was paying her mm-hmm. to work for me. So it was weird because like I feel like I was getting interview to hire her. Yeah. And we all go through that, right? But now we're at the point where like, okay, yeah, we can't hire, we can't hire. Right. And and it's a season of business. And the more reps you have, the more scar you have the more confident you have, because you have, um, like Alex and Mosey said, this is that, you know, you're, you're good. Then you're great. Then you're undeniable, mm-hmm. right? The more shit you go through, the more undeniable sure. you become. Yeah. And to wrap it up to what you said before, like of not wanting to face the the hardship or looking yourself in the mirror, it's going back to star Wars when, when Luke Skywalker has to go confront, you know, his, the vision of Darth Vader, but really is himself. Mm-hmm. right? Like who True. we want to be is on the other side of the thing we don't want to face. That's mm-hmm. why there's always a dragon guarding some sort of treasure. Yeah. Right. So like there's a saying I say to my wife or my team's like, yeah, I got to slay dragons today. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's what we do. We slay dragons every day. I love it. So, uh, we're obviously at, uh, a mastermind. I mean, this is a really cool community because it's like, you know, it's, it's obviously for Dan Kennedy, who's one of our main mentors. And that's a, it's a big deal to me. It's a big deal to you. I know that. And uh, it's, it's obviously cool because in a sense, we're getting a little slice of history, right? Because Mm -hmm. this is one of those events where his, I mean, he's been doing this for almost 50 years. Some of his oldest clients who have been there for almost that amount of time, over 40 are with us in this room. And, and obviously, you know, we're some of the youngest cats in the room. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's this really cool spread and, and uh, uh, just um, diversity of, of, of the audience. And it's, it's, it's refreshing. Um, you know, one of the questions, cause obviously this event, it's an invite only mastermind about creating maximum impact, uh, and, and influence. Um, what do you feel is, is one of the, just as a business owner and, and, and as a practitioner, what do you feel like is one of the biggest takeaways you've gotten from day one of this event, uh, uh, from being here with Dan? Yeah. I, Dan always talk about your business is not your deliverables that pretty much your business is not what you serve, right? Your bit, my business is not physical therapy. Mm. My business is in their, the investment of people getting better, right? Mm. Through whatever vehicle they want. PT happened to be one of them, but really the, the, the business itself is between the clients and the relationship that we have with them. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's something that is intangible, but also extremely valuable. What I mean by that tangible is something like this that you, you and I can see alone is very tangible. If you put PT, it's, it's something that we do, but it can be really tangible. If I, if I market pain relief, guess what? I'm as tangible as Tylenol, which is $10, mm-hmm. right? So if I market the tangible stuff and I only speak on the tangible stuff, I will be priced out well, by- Well, that's commodities. Commodities, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the, that's the biggest takeaway for me. It's like, all right, I got to view it my business. Like I believe it's a transformation center. Okay, cool. How do we represent it as such? How do we curate the experience? Right. Mm-hmm. That's another thing too. Like when people walk into my clinic, we have a, uh, uh, I, I call it like the, the hall of grace greatness, right? Because all the pro pro jerseys are up there. These are guys and girls that we work with. And the reason we put it in there is because when someone walked in and they're injured, they get to see all this name that they know. And they're like, Oh wait, these people go here. That mean they were probably at some point injured just like me. And now their name is on the wall. Yeah. And they're still a pro. Exactly. Right? So it's, yeah. So, so it's, it's future casting what's going on. So that's the biggest thing. Cause Dan does a really good job of, you know, like solving the problem, but really it's an identity crisis that people have because sure. of the problem. So I think like that, that's, that's been a huge thing for me. And another thing I've learned is just to keep, uh, to, to, to create the most impact, you really have to be willing to share your story to, mm-hmm. to be open and, you guys did a really good job in in your newsletter, just sharing your your progression. Like you know, seeing McBee in his new new apartment in Chicago. You know, like that's great. Like people love that. And I think as loan officer, you guys have an obligation to connect with the people you're trying to help as well. Because at the end of the day, if you see them just as number, they only gonna see you as loans. Mm-hmm. I actually tell a story a lot uh, about the real estate agent that uh, helps McBee and I both get a house in Arizona. Um, we have talked a lot 
And if Kirk comes by the house, it's not a, Hey, what's up, man? You okay? What's going on? It's a, come on in, man. You want some water? You want a coffee? What, what's going on? How you doing? Sit down. You hungry? You know, it's like a, if he came, if he didn't have a place on Thanksgiving, he would totally be welcome. Mm-hmm. Right? And you had mentioned that earlier. I thought it was cool. You mentioned that because it's a kind of a barometer that I use. And so, you know, I talk about Kirk because Kirk's a, a million dollar gross commission producer, which in the real estate world is like top 1%. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, to be able to generate a million dollars annually in commissions, you've helped a lot of people, you've done some cool shit. And he was very on top of things. The communication is very strong. But once we had the house stuff kind of fleshed out, he would just stop by for the weirdest stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was just fun. I remember one day he like trespassed into my backyard and threw, he's known as the bacon realtor. Mm -hmm. So he threw this like bacon pool floaty in my pool. And so I came home and I'm like, what is that? And then I realized it's a bacon thing. I was like, yo, were you by my house today? He goes, yeah, I just threw that in your backyard. I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, for Christmas, he came by with like this, I don't even know what it was. It was like a dehydrated, it looked like bacon. It might have been meat, but it didn't look like it was meat. Beyond I don't know. Meat was beyond meat. It it looked beyond meat. I will say that. Uh, but but he brought like this Christmas bacon ornament that looks kind of fleshy, and I'm like, okay. Um, but but it's just it's quirky. It's cool. It's fun. It's like, dude, we're not talking about real estate. But when I go to sell, irrefutably, mm-hmm. I know who I'm going to go. Yeah, and it has. And it's not because we're talking about real estate. It's like, you know, and this is one of the things that, that, you know, you had mentioned the relationship component is if you, this is just the barometer. This is how you know you've succeeded. If you didn't have anywhere to go and you asked them, Hey, can I join you at Thanksgiving? Would they say yes? Mm-hmm. If they wouldn't say yes, pick the phone up. You got work to do. Mm-hmm. Call the people, build a relationship, get to know them, get to know their why, get to know what's important to them. You know? And it's like that, that's the litmus test that most people should be looking at this through because you know, I, I, I see so much booty call marketing that happens where people will do a purchase for somebody and they get all excited. They do the closing table mm-hmm. photo and then two, three years go by nothing. Mm-hmm. And then when rates go down, it's refi season and loan officers just get into booty call marketing mode where they're like, Hey, you know, I know we did your loan two years ago. And it's like, dude, if you weren't in contact during those two years, somebody else has crept in and taken that relationship. Mm-hmm. You lost it. Yeah, You had it and you let it off the hook, right? And that's kind of a shame on you because you went through the cost of acquisition. You suffered the cost of acquisition. You've made the first sale. And all you had to do was keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. And you said, ah, F it. I'll hit him up in a few years. No, you won't. Most of the time, no, you won't, right? Yeah. Because they have options. It's 2023. I can Google anything. Anything I want is at my fingertips. And you think that you can just go every thousand days Mm -hmm. without contact? Get out of here, you know? And so it's an interesting thing. Uh, uh, So anyways, yeah, I I, I can connect with what you're saying there um, because there's never been a stronger need for that that relationship and rapport Mm -hmm. with, with who you do business with. Uh, and, and getting to know them as people, you know, it's like, that's the thing with our realtors. I know them as a person. Mm-hmm. I know them as a person way more than I know them as a realtor. And I started with them as a realtor. Yeah. You and, know? and I, I think just to add into, to, to what you were just saying is, um, cause of acquisition, obviously it's a lot, but there's also a cost of missed opportunity, especially when it comes to referral of how many people can those homeowners refer to you? Mm-hmm. Like how much have you win their trust over? Like we, so like the way I look at, we, when we get a patient in, I say we're lucky because we got that patient in, wherever they come from, they have not turned into a customer or a client until they refer to us, right? So that's really my litmus test of how well we really do at serving the, the, the people that we have, right? So like mm-hmm. I have my ops manager do uh, what we, we call it, a gas call, which is stand for give a shit. So we do, we do a gas call after someone come in for initial evaluation. I love that. That's yeah. great. And we turn a gas call into a gas process. We're going to build a whole thing out to just give a shit everywhere that we can. You got to, you got to keep me in the loop on this. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely, I'm building out like a 12, 12 months campaign oh, I love it. on that. But the whole point is that she needs to call, introduce herself to be the point of contact and ask if we have exceeded their standard to the point they would love to refer us their friends or their family. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if the answer is no, then 
then the next question is like, what, where can we do better? And actually listen, Yeah, you know, don't just ask, you know, it, it, there is something that, uh, and, and for the most part, it, it, it escapes me until usually, you know, the conversation's already passed, but, um, back when I sold life insurance, and this is kind of a thing that it blows my mind that more, more people don't see this way. Like everybody I see ask for referrals, like everybody, not, not in the old space, but in mortgage, it's like, they only ask for referrals from people that they do business with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a starting point. But I got to the point when I was selling life insurance where I would average a sale of uh, about every three to four doors I, I knocked on, one would be a sale, mm -hmm. which is kind of impressive if you think about it because I walk in their it's house, cold. they have no idea who mm -hmm. I am. And within 90 minutes, I'm leaving with medical records, avoided check, social security numbers, date of births. I mean, why, this is wild yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Like in hindsight, I'm like, I can't believe I did that for two years. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, you know, from a referral standpoint, the interesting part to me was, um, I got referrals in every home. Now the best referrals were the sales. I'll give mm -hmm. it that. However, I averaged 13 referrals per sale. And that's not because I gained 13 when I sold. It's because I gained three every door I went through. Mm -hmm. And so it just happened to be. 13 per sale. But when you do the math, it's not anything magical. I'm just getting two, three, four a house. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you add all that up, so it's like, you know, okay, the person you don't do business with, well, did you still add value? Mm -hmm. There's value to add value yeah. is there's perceived, there's real, there's financial value. There's, there's all kinds of ways to get well, value. You know, Dan talk about the value in the unconverted mm -hmm. and that, when I did that, that was great. That was huge because just because you didn't convert someone doesn't mean you can't serve them. doesn't mm -hmm. mean they can't be part of your world, mm -hmm. right? Or it doesn't mean you should give up on them, yeah. right? So that's another thing I learned with Dan as well is that you have to keep broadcasting your message to the right people until they're ready to hear your message. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm upset, no matter what you say to me, I'm not going to hear you, mm -hmm. right? So it's the same thing when it comes to, to your client, your customer. Like if, if my client, my ideal clients right now is, laying in bed crying because she just tore her ACL and she can't play soccer with her friends. Now her hopes of going to D1 is dwindling. She's not going to hear what I have to say. She have to, over, she have to come down from that place first. Then she said, okay, I understand what's going on. Now, what can I do about it? Who can I look for? What would be the best fit for me? And then if I happen to keep sending the same message over and over and over again, and she happened to listen, great. Now we can start a conversation. Mm. Right. And I think again, if, if you believe, if you truly believe that it's God given right for people to have a home, then you shouldn't give up. Yeah. Right. It like, it, it's going back to what, what you believe in. Right. I, I believe people should be able to just have total freedom to pursue like the ideal life that they want without physical limitation. Mm. Right. So if I believe in that, I'm not going to give up until I get them there. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Um, I think that's huge. Uh, okay. Well, Natty, this has been phenomenal. Um, before we close out, uh, I really want to just ask one question. I like to ask all my, all my guests is, um, what is a book that you've gone through in recent, you know, months or years that you felt has been transformative to you as either a practitioner or a sales professional or a business owner? So, um, the one book that I read and then purchased to every one of my team mm -hmm. to have is the ultimate sales system by machine, Shed, the machine, machine, yeah. ultimate sales machine by Shed Holmes. Um, I mean, you can read that book cover to cover and just realize that you just need to carry that. And then just, <laughs> and it, it lays out from operation, marketing, sales, and fulfillment. Mm. You can, if, if we're talking about season that you need to keep improving, I was like, Oh, what season is it? Oh, the way it's Q2. Okay. Let's go implement this. Yeah. Right. You just go in. It's, 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 it's another roadmap and it's a constant reminder. So if, if they have you and, and big Billy in their ears about what they need to do and they have that book to remind them what they need to do and they can actually give it to their team. Like, you know, like sometime I have scorecards meeting. I say, Hey, bring that book. Let's talk about this. That's what we're going to do. Hmm. Oh, you need direction. It's on page 15. Do that. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So the ultimate sales machine by Chet Holmes is, mm -hmm. is the book you'd recommend. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there you have it. So guys, thank you for joining this episode of The Lensetter Show with our special guest, Natty Bandisak, a good friend of mine, uh, uh, you know, one of my brothers through through the masterminding communities that we're in. Um, 
probably want to, I mean, obviously there's been so many, you know, I mean, we're here with Dan because of, of Russell Brunson and, and, and the involvement through that community. Cause he kind of brought, you know, uh, the, the, if you will, the old Testament and the new Testament mm-hmm. of marketing together. Yep. Right. And, uh, um, you know, I'm very grateful for that. There's been so many fruitful things that have come out of that mastermind, but, but your friendship is, is, is definitely one of them. So likewise, um, man. dude, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to see the future of what you do. You're doing some really cool things. Um, how can people that are listening to this episode, if, if there's people that are, are either out by you and, and you're in Jersey, yep. right? He's in over New Jersey. Yeah. So if there's people in Jersey that go, you know what? I'm in pain. I wouldn't mind dogging mm-hmm. a natty. Um, how can they either reach out to you or maybe they want to talk about marketing or maybe there's another PT that's listening to our show that, that goes, you know, I, I need to hear more of what he's got to say. Yeah. I mean, find me on social media. Uh, I'm big on Instagram, uh, doctor.natty. You got to spell out doctor.natty. And then, um, Twitter, Facebook, uh, shoot me a DM. We'd love to connect with you guys. Uh, if you're in the area, if you want to come by the clinic, talk shop a little bit. Yeah. I would love to, to connect. Cause you know, they, like anyone that's part of your community, I consider friends. So please swing by it. and reach out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll put your, your stuff in the show notes there. So Natty, thank you again for joining and my and pleasure, man. Thank you for, uh, hanging out with us for this episode of the Lensetter show. And we will see you on the next episode.